got one of these uh, on your way in, a seed, and hopefully now after the Bible readings it's uh, clear uh, what, what it is, uh, the reason for giving you one of those seeds. Um, I do feel like I'm a little bit loud, so I'll ask Christiane to turn me down just a little bit. Uh, and um, uh, from the first reading, uh, Psalm 1, you will have heard the image of the tree, and we do have, I don't know if it's a tree, we, we do have a, a, a plant here uh, next to me, and it is, uh, as Tess said, it's a fitting image um, to uh, kick off the year with, and, and as you think about uh, 2022, as you think about uh, your vision, we sang, Be Thou My Vision, uh, the, the picture of a tree bearing fruit in its season that does not wither is, is a lovely image for us to kick off uh, the new year with. Uh, in Psalm 1, uh, the uh, psalmist kind of compares and contrasts uh, a tree with chaff. And I wonder if you've ever seen one of those um, cowboy um, and western movies, you know, the one where kind of towards the end, the kind of hero and the villain have a kind of quick draw uh, gun battle out on the street and everyone kind of scurries away from the, the street into their, into their houses and uh, they close the shutters and the storekeeper kind of runs in and he turns the, the open sign to the closed sign. Well, uh, one of those scenes would never be complete without uh, the tumbleweed. You know how they're standing there and the, the tumbleweed kind of rolls across the, the, uh, the scene, the street. Uh, Well, a tumbleweed is an interesting picture because uh, tumbleweeds were not always uh, tumbleweeds. It's not like they fell down from the sky. Um, What happens in those um, deserts is that uh, they grow up as green, healthy, luscious um, bushes during the spring rains, as the spring rains come. But um, when the spring rains stop and dry up, then uh, the plant uh, doesn't have uh, deep enough roots to go down into the soil uh, to keep feeding the plant. And so what happens is that it, it dries up, it withers, and then the roots aren't strong enough to keep it in place. So when the wind comes, uh, it tumbles away. But it wasn't always a tumbleweed, it was a green plant. But uh, in those deserts, there's another tree by way of contrast, um, quite different to the tumbleweed. Uh, and that's the mosquito tree, it's called, um, which is the total opposite to the tumbleweed. I mean, even after years of drought, if you were to cut down um, a mosquito tree in one of those deserts, it would just simply grow back. And then if you were to cut down uh, the one that grew back, uh, it would just grow back again. If you were to dig down even two metres down into the uh, root system and cut them out and set it on fire, uh, you will not have gone deep enough. And so after a few years, you won't just have one grow back, you'll have dozens from all the different separate saplings um, grow up uh, in its place. Um, Quite the contrast to the tumbleweed. Now, what's the difference between these two plants or trees? It's the root system, right? That's the main thing separating the two things. It's, it's their root system. Well, the series that we're kicking off this year, uh, for this week and the next week, is a series called Rooted. It's picking up on this image of the root system. Um, the, the word comes up twice in the New Testament through the Apostle Paul. Uh, he talks about, um, that he prays for the Ephesians. In Ephesians 3, he says, I pray that you will be rooted and established in love. And then in Colossians, he also talks about us being um, rooted in faith and growing in faith. But of course, the Apostle Paul is only picking up from what the Lord Jesus says in the parable that we had read to us today. I I hope you'll have Matthew 13 open in front of you. Did you notice in verse 21, Jesus says, uh, that talks about the person who has 
no root. And so the Apostle Paul is simply picking up on what Jesus is saying here. But of course, the imagery goes back further uh, to at least Psalm 1 that we heard read before Matthew 13, where it talks about a tree planted by streams of water that bears its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, and whatever he or she does prospers. We'd love that for 2022, wouldn't we? Uh, Fruitfulness. Uh, We'd love to prosper in his ways. Well, how do we do that? How does that happen? Well, according to Jesus, looking at uh, Matthew 13 and the parable uh, that he uh, tells us, the first thing that you need is what? You need a seed. Uh, I hope you'll... uh, if you haven't got one, uh, you'll be able to get one uh, from the entrance and, and you can uh, take this home as a memento. Uh, you can put it in your uh, smoothie for tomorrow morning. You could go plant it, do what you like with it. But it's a, it's a reminder of this parable and the first thing that we need to become like that tree is the seed. Now, that's just a metaphor though. What does the seed, according to Jesus and according to the parable, what does it actually point to? What is the seed? Did you pick it up in verse 19? Uh, Jesus says in Matthew 13, verse 19, he says that the seed is the word of the kingdom. The word of the kingdom. In fact, six times throughout the parable, Jesus says, the word, the word, the word. That is the seed. It's the word of the kingdom. It's the message of how God is king, but we, his creation, have rebelled against him and turned our back on him, bringing on the punishment of death because of our sins. But God sent King Jesus into the world to live the life that we were supposed to, to die the death that we deserved so that we could be brought back out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his son, the light of the world. That's in a nutshell, the word of the kingdom. And that's the first thing that we need to hear and have planted in order for us to become like that tree. But there's a second thing which is more prominent in the story of the parable that we need. What is that second ingredient that the parable talks about? The soil, right? We need that fertile soil. Uh, And so the question now is, well, what does the soil represent? Because that's just a metaphor too, isn't it? The seed is the word of the kingdom. What does the soil represent? Verse 19. Jesus talks about what was sown in the heart. So the soil represents four different kinds of heart conditions. And so briefly with you this morning, I want to look at those four heart conditions and what they are that Jesus is saying through this story. So that's where we're going this morning. Firstly, the first soil is a hard heart blinded by the evil one. Look at verse 19. Jesus says, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. Uh, you know those, um, you know the bonsai trees, the kind of miniature trees Uh, well the the way that they um, kind of shrink or or keep those miniature trees is that they actually kind of up 
root it while it's young and they actually tie up the tap root, the main root, and um, maybe some other roots as well, so that that tree um, doesn't sink down its roots deep into the soil and spread them out wide to be able to bring in enough nutrients for it to grow up big and strong. That's how you create a bonsai tree. And one of the implications, I think, of what Jesus is saying through this soil is that that's what the evil one is trying to do with you and with me. He's trying to keep us from those roots going down deep into God's Word, into the Scriptures. He's trying to keep us day by day from getting into the Scriptures. As it says in the Psalms, who meditates on His law day and night so that we're shrunk and so that we don't grow. That's the, that's the work of the evil one. I think Jesus is saying that quite plainly here through the first soil. Uh, more, more accurately, I think what he's saying is that he would prefer that the seed never took root in the first place uh, because it talks about the crows coming and taking it away before it even has a chance to take root. And so um, the Apostle Paul actually picks up on, on this about whenever the gospel is preached, he says, uh, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ. And Paul is simply picking up on Jesus' teaching here in the first soil. The enemy, the evil one, doesn't want people to hear the good news of the kingdom because he knows that by it they will become fruitful trees like oaks of righteousness, reconciled to the source of life in Jesus. And so I think the clear application of the first soil is that this year I hope you'll make one of your resolutions to read the Scriptures day by day. How wonderful for Helen Manley to mention her new uh, devotional that she uh, picked up uh, to get her into the Scriptures. Um, uh, what am I doing at the moment? I've, there's all kinds of things that I, I, I do. At the moment, I've picked up a devotional commentary uh, that I use. Um, the Bible Project has just kicked off a brand new app to help people study uh, the Scriptures in depth. There's um, the Bible in One Year app. Um, that, that, that's a clear implication of this uh, text, that we would be studying and immersing ourselves uh, in the Scriptures. But I think... Uh, more pointedly on this soil, it's that we'd be praying that God's Word would grow because it's a spiritual battle. The evil one doesn't want people to hear and to understand the Scriptures. And so we, um, one of my prayer cards that I pray regularly is for my devotions because if you're anything like me, you come to your devotions and it just falls flat, right? And it's a dead time. Well, I think that's cause for us to pray. And I pray regularly, Lord, help me to hear from you. The psalmist in Psalm 119 says, Lord, open my eyes that I might see wonderful things in your word. And so we get into the scriptures, but we also pray for that ministry. But there's another implication of, of this story and what it is that we to pray for in this first soil. And, and that is what the Lord Jesus says when he says, the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few, so ask the Lord of the harvest to raise up workers for the field. And what do we see in this story? A worker in the field. What does a worker do? A worker sows seed. What is the seed? 
It's the preaching and teaching of God's Word. Please don't assume that the the main ministry of the Word at St. Philip's is only up here and exclusively here from the sermon. That's not what Paul says. Paul says, let the Word of Christ dwell amongst you richly as you teach and admonish one another, singing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. And so we're to pray in God's kindness that he would raise up workers who would share God's word and sow that seed into our young people, into our families, into our communities, into our schools. Alistair Begg says, the evil one is not too concerned about preaching that isn't prayed up or witnessing that is not prayed up or worship that is not prayed up because he knows that all his armies in the world are more than enough to swallow us up and render us useless unless we pray. That's the first soil. It represents hard hearts blinded by the evil one, verse 19. Let's look at the second soil. It talks about a superficial heart that produces shallow roots. Look at verse 20. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet such a person has no root but endures only for a while and when trouble and persecution arises on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. So this is someone who has an emotional and an exciting response to hearing God's word and they receive it with joy but it turns out that they can't take the heat. They can't take the heat. As soon as troubles come into their life, as soon as suffering comes, as soon as they lose some important thing, they turn their back on God and say, well, what good is God if I can't have these things, if he can't help me get these things that I want from him? In other words, what they want from Jesus is they want Jesus as their saviour, but they don't want Jesus as their Lord. They want Jesus as their blesser, but they don't want Jesus as their boss. So as soon as he stops blessing, they walk away. They want Jesus as their sugar daddy, but not as their sovereign king. And so as soon as he stops being that, as soon as the heat comes and burns up those things that we're wanting from him, they walk away. That's the second soil a superficial heart that produces shallow roots. Let's look at the third soil briefly. The third soil is a divided heart that bears no fruit. Uh, Verse 22. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth choke the word and it yields nothing. This is the frightening one because in this case, the, the, the seed has taken root. And and, and the plant is growing. It's just that Christ is only one of the people on the throne of their heart. Christ is sharing control of this person with other things. There's a division in this person. They worship God and things. They're following the way of Christ and the way of the world. And as a result, their life in Christ is choked out by the cares of this world and by the lure of of wealth. So they're not making any progress as a Christian. They're not growing as Christians and they can't see the power of God at work deeply inside of them at the root where their heart is, causing them to walk more like 
Christ. That's a divided heart that bears no fruit. Finally, Jesus talks about a fertile heart that sustains life. Verse 23, he says, But as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another case 60, and in another case 30. This is the fertile soil that bears much fruit. I want to ask at this point, why would Jesus liken the gospel, the word of the kingdom, to a tiny little seed? which is so small. Why would he do that? Uh, Campbell Morgan tells uh, an interesting story um, about this graveyard that he visited in Italy. It was a tourist attraction um, because there was this one extremely old grave, centuries old, uh, that was a kind of a tourist attraction that people came to see. Uh, It was either a a king who died or a very wealthy man and um, in his grave, on his grave, there was this enormous, incredibly thick slab of marble over the grave. I mean, it was huge and it was incredibly thick, but an acorn had fallen in to this grave many centuries ago. Over the years, somehow it had had grown up and sort of come maybe around the marble slab and it got bigger and bigger and bigger. It took centuries, but eventually it became this absolutely massive tree. Over the centuries, the tree had just cracked that massive marble slab into and just rolled it off into two pieces. And so it became a tourist attraction. Everybody came to see this grave. Isn't that amazing? A a tiny little acorn, a tiny little seed, where if you sort of dropped it on the marble slab, it, it, it wouldn't have done anything. But if you give it a chance to release its power, it can do something extraordinary. Think of all those acorns that that tree produced and how many more trees over and over and over again through one tiny acorn that's given the chance to release its power. So why does Jesus characterise the word of the kingdom, the gospel, as a seed? Well, here's what I think he's doing. One of the things that he's doing is he's describing the way in which people actually responded to Jesus while he was on earth. Think about it, the first soil They were the Pharisees, the religious leaders, hard-hearted, who rejected him and ultimately crucified him. The second soil was like the crowds. They received what he was doing with joy as long as he was doing miracles and giving them a good time. What about the third soil? Well, that's a bit like his family who were upset by the fact that they were losing face because he wasn't playing by normal rules and normal customs, the fact that they were losing honour because of what he was doing. He's describing the ways in which people responded to Jesus himself. And so in John chapter 12, he says, unless a seed falls into the ground and dies... It remains only a single seed. But if it dies, 
It produces much fruit. And so in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before he was crucified on the cross, he was facing infinite suffering, cosmic justice, the punishment for our sins being laid upon him, so overwhelming that he would sweat blood and he was cast down to the ground and he cried out to the Father and he said, Father, is there any other way? And the Father said, my life cannot be released into them unless you become like a seed. Unless you go into the ground and die, they will never experience the power of my life coursing through their veins. You have to go down into the, into the ground and die. And so he did. That's the power. You see, the power of the word is in the weakness of the Lord. The power of the word is in the weakness of the Lord, crucified on the cross. As you see him doing that for you, as you see the beauty of what it is that he's done, though the king becoming like a seed and dying for our sins, so that our sin that would separate us from God could be removed and we could be grafted back into the vine and reconnected with him, with his spirit living inside of us, surging through our veins, giving us a new heart and moving us to follow his ways through Jesus being planted in the ground to die. So as we wrap up this morning... I want to urge you to plant the seed in your heart. Come to God's word, the gospel, and dwell on it more deeply. It's so interesting what Paul says to the Colossians uh, in Colossians chapter 1, where he picks up on this imagery. He says to them, You have heard of this hope before in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. And then he picks up on this plant imagery. Just as it is bearing fruit and growing in the whole world, so it has been bearing fruit among yourselves from the day you heard it and truly comprehended the grace of God. The way that it grows is as we plant it deep in our hearts. So plant the seed, prepare the soil, and I also want to say pull up the weeds. Pull up the weeds. Uh, Rick Warren makes an interesting point about weeds because you don't have to plan or do anything for weeds to grow, do you? Uh, The difference between a plant and a weed is this. Uh, For a plant, you need to take care of it. You you need to prepare the soil. You need to water it. You need to, in our case, protect it from the lorikeets. There's a lot that you have to do in order for the plant to grow. What about weeds? You do absolutely nothing and they grow. You walk into a garden that's been totally neglected and what is it full of? It's full of weeds. You don't have to do anything. Just sit back and watch. You see, when I start neglecting time in God's word, when I stop immersing myself 
in his gospel of grace, when I stop coming to church, when I don't read books that help me immerse myself in the scriptures, when I aren't part of a group and a fellowship that helps me immerse myself in the good news of grace, that's when the weeds start to grow. Why else would Trinity College run these Trinity at Night courses that came in the mail on Friday? Short evening classes to help you dig deeper into God's Word. Uh, Courses uh, like Genesis and Evangelism or this term, Seeing Christian Truth as a Whole or another course, Living in God's Grace, the Christian Life. Why else would they run these except to see that the church would be fruitful and growing like a tree planted by streams of living water. I've put these out on the back table. So as you start out in 2022, I want to urge you, plant the seed, prepare the soil, pull up the weeds. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would reveal to us that when we're not seeing and feeling the the power of God at work in our lives, the fruit of the Spirit growing, that it could be from our lack of immersion in this gospel of grace, our lack of planting the soil, preparing the soil, pulling up the weeds. Father, we want your life to be coursing through our veins, the life of your spirit growing fruit in us. And so, Father, you say that you are a good gardener and we pray that you would be continuing to prepare our hearts and planting the seed deep in us. Father, we do pray that you would raise up many workers for the harvest here and beyond because we want to see a plentiful harvest, Lord, 30, 60 and 100 fold. Thank you that you have been so gracious to St. Philip's over more than a hundred years in providing such people. And we ask, Lord, would you raise up more workers? Would you be pleased to do that in us and through us and make us part of your gospel cause in Jesus' name? Amen. Please stand with us now as we sing together uh, to remind us.